Our scripture reading this morning is from the fourth chapter of the book of James. I'll be reading verses 7 through 12. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is also one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Amen. You may be seated. Online, thank you very much. I'll start again. I'm very happy to be with you today, as I always am. It's such an encouraging time for me to be with the fine congregation here at Broadway, and if you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you. It's always a joy for us to be together, and always a privilege for us to be together with you. And if you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you. And we encourage you to come back and be with us whenever you possibly can. We'll be meeting tonight at 6 o'clock, where we'll be having one of our Sunday night seminars as we talk about the churches of the New Testament. I won't talk about the church at Corinth tonight. We'll have a lot of work to do this evening, so bring your Bible, and we'll pass out notes and bring your pencils and make uh, uh, notes in the margins of your Bible and that kind of thing as we study from this great book of the Bible. And we study about this congregation of the Lord's Church in the New Testament. That's tonight at 6 o'clock, and I always look forward to being with you on that occasion. Isn't this a great book of the Bible, the book of James? I'm just amazed every time I go to it as to its depth and yet its practicality. For example, in James chapter 1, he talks about what true religion is, and he gives us encouragement and help in times of suffering and trial, tribulation. talks about trusting God and having confidence in Him and not putting our trust in the world, but putting our trust in God. And then in chapter 2, he talks about two important points. One is the sin of partiality. We should not play favorites in the body of Christ and try to promote this one over that one and try to show one to be more important than the other. And then the last half of chapter 2 is a wonderful discussion about faith. And if you haven't read James chapter 2 in a while, go back and read that great discussion, especially about those two points that James gives us in the second chapter. Then when you get to chapter 3, we all know what that's about. That's about the tongue. And perhaps there's not a better discourse or discussion in the entire Bible 
than what James gives on controlling the tongue. And that's something I know I need and everyone needs. By the time you get to chapter 4, he's talking about pollutions of the heart and their solutions. And he likes to teach by means of asking questions. And he starts right off the bat in chapter 4 with two questions. Did you notice that? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Here's the second question. Is it not this? Passions are at war within you. And he goes on down through here and he says in verse 4, the problem is your worldliness. You're devoted to the world and you're tied up with the world. You adulterous people, do, not know, don't, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's James 4 and verse 4. And he really tells us what the problems of our heart are like and about. We fix them on the things of this world. A very penetrating and powerful passage. And he comes to about verse 6 and verse 7. And he says in verse therefore to God, wouldn't it be nice if we could just stop right there? Just submit to God. Submit to God. Just leave it at that. But you and I know prone to want to go beyond what God has said. It's hard for us to submit ourselves to anything. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. That'd be a great thing to do just right there. And then he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's a hard one for me to get a a handle on because a lot of times I begin to think, well, the devil's too powerful for me. The devil is too overbearing and the devil is too tempting. And, And then he makes a statement like he will flee from me, that I will have that kind of control over the matter that he will flee, and it it just seems like he's unbeatable, unbearable. But the Bible's making very clear by myself he is, but with God's help, I can really say to the devil, no, and resist him as I should. And then he makes this point in verse 8, as we read, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Repent of the sins. Get the sins out of your heart and out of your mind. You see, the pollutions of the heart, get them out of your heart. Here's the solution. Repent before God and do what God has said. And then rather than be humble and mourn over the fact that we have violated the will and the word of God and all that that means, and come to an understanding of how really terrible that is and be grieved over the fact of our sin but rejoice over the fact that our sins can be forgiven. And that's the great thrust of what he says in this portion of James chapter 4. Resist. And I want to spend my time talking this morning about that word. I want to study what it means, and I want to learn how to do it. I want to study what it means to resist the devil, the being that seems so overwhelming and so powerful. And if it's just, he's going to be that way but armed with God and God's will in my life. I can do it. I can resist the devil. And the amazing thing about that is that as a child of God, armed with the truth of the Word of God and my faith in God and my prayer life where I'm praying to God to strengthen me and encourage me and give me the wisdom to make the right decisions through the course of the day, the devil's going to flee. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about it quite like that where I can say no to the devil and the devil has to go. You know, there was, um, you know, a very interesting, very entertaining uh, comedian a number of years back, and he would, he kind of made a career on the statement, the devil made me do it. And, 
And it became a, a catchword and one that you heard a lot, and I suppose you still hear it a lot. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make me do it. I allowed him to do it in my life. But armed with the Word of God and my faith in God and my prayer life in God, then I can say no to the devil and I can resist whatever temptation the devil puts in my place. Do you think that's impossible? God said it's very possible and you can do it. That me and God working together are in the majority and I can say no to the devil. If I can understand how the devil's going to come at me, then I can get some of the pollutions. I can get these pollutions out of my heart and understand that I will not fall. I can resist him. Before I can really resist, I've got to understand how he works. Before I can really resist and say no to him, I've got to understand how he's going to come at me. And so I want to talk a little bit about how to resist the devil today. I want to talk about how we can say no to the devil by looking at the tools the devil's going to use against me. And I don't care who it is, whether it's me or whether it's you, the devil's going to use this against me, and if I'm not careful, he's going to be successful. And I've got to do my best to understand this matter so that I can say no to the devil, and with God's help, he'll flee from me. You know, one of the things that really strikes me as a tool of the devil, it's the gullibility of people. The gullibility of people. By gullible, we simply are so naive that we fall for anything and everything. And if we're not careful in this regard, we're going to fall in this regard. We're going to, we're going to be naive about the workings of the devil. Oh, I've heard about the devil, and I've heard about his plan and his uh, purpose for my life, how he wants to destroy my soul, that kind of thing. Now, you know, worship service is over, and I'm on my way. Well, we can be pretty naive about things if we're not careful. And we need to be so focused on the fact that the devil will capitalize upon that naivete and in so doing will take advantage of me. As you go back to an Old Testament book by the name of Proverbs, and I do like this book. Uh, I enjoy studying the, the book of Proverbs. In the early portions of Proverbs, uh, you have them phrased as, uh, a father giving advice to his son. Uh, the Proverbs are these statements. I've seen it defined this way. Short, pithy statements. What that means is they're very short and they're very wise. They're very to the point. Written by the wise man. A lot of them written by Solomon and other inspired writers. But as you notice in the earlier portion, it's an amazing book. As you study the earlier portion of the book of Proverbs, you find it's like a father giving advice to his son. And the reason is because the son is young and immature and naive. And he really needs the instruction that the father gives him. For example, and I just happened to turn to this, Proverbs 7. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. He's trying to tell him there, you need to listen to the instruction of your father, this divine wisdom that God has in store for you, and if you will, it'll serve you well. And the way that the writer presents it to us, 
is like the older father who is very wise and very understanding, writing to the younger son, young men, and fathers, and young women. You need to read the book of Proverbs. That is another very practical book, found for us in the Old Testament, but the principles still apply to us living under the New Testament dispensation. It talks about how to live life acceptably before God. And I know it's an Old Testament book, and it's a very old book. And if it's uh, couched in poetic language that's hard for you to understand, get you a translation that's faithful to the text and, and read it and understand it because it's going to give you instruction on what to avoid in this life and how to approach God acceptably. And those principles have not changed. Gullibility. Young people are gullible, aren't they? Young people are not only naive, but older people are naive as well. And the, the Satan's going to use that against older people, naive people. As they get older, they think they're wiser, and sometimes we become naive. In Isaiah chapter 44, I have to say, this is one of my favorite books of the Bible. This is one of my favorite chapters out of this book, that in 53. But Isaiah 44 talks about... You know, the craftsman who goes out and he cuts down a tree. And it's an amazing uh, passage of Scripture where he says, Now this guy, he takes a portion of that log and he uses it for the cooking of his food. He'll cook his food with that. And then he'll take a portion of that log and then he'll use that to warm himself by the fire. And he'll feel so comfortable by the fire. And then he'll take another portion of that log and form and fashion a god out of it and bow down and worship it. And he'll carry it from... Isaiah doesn't leave it there. He keeps working that argument about how futile and how silly and how ridiculous paganism is and how that man will take a piece of wood and use a portion of it to cook his food and another portion of it to warm himself by the fire and worship the residue. He'll worship the rest of it and say, this is my God, deliver me, and pray to a stick of wood. And everyone could, should be able to see how gullible that idea is. And I suppose it's put anywhere in the Bible than in Isaiah 44. As an adult, don't be gullible. Don't let Satan take it. Don't allow him to use that tool against you. What you do, you resist the devil. Because you understand what the tools of the devil are. And you understand what the devil's going to try to do to you. In Isaiah chapter 7, you see it's hard for me to get out of some of these books. Once I get in them, it's hard for me to get out of them. I want to go now to Isaiah chapter 7 because I'm reminded of a verse there. And you, you remember the historical background of this particular passage, how that the king wants to buddy up with a wicked king, Tiglath-Pileser III. He's quite a character. He started out as a general in the Assyrian army and then usurped the throne and now became king of Assyria and made a westward march to try to take every country that he could. And it was a massive land grab by uh, Tiglath-Pileser III. And northern Israel and Syria are wondering, what in the world are we going to do about this guy? We need help from Judah. And Judah says, we don't want to get into a battle with Tiglath-Pileser, the Assyrian king. And so they wage war against Judah. Well, all of this is in the historical background of this portion of the book of Isaiah. But the point is made by 
If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. And that passage is in verse 9, and he's trying to reason with the southern king. Put your trust in God. Don't put your trust in this military alliance with Syria and uh, with northern Israel. And don't buddy up with Assyria. That's the last person you want to be friends with. Put your trust in God. Because I'm going to tell you something, king. A prophet's talking to a king that way. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have faith and put all your trust in that faith and confidence in God, you're going to fall for everything. You're not going to be able to stand on anything. Gullible fall because of a lack of faith. And they fall to the the tool of the devil as he tries to take advantage of people and their weaknesses and their lack of understanding. Hosea chapter 4, now there's a great prophet prophesying to the northern kingdoms in a rebellious day and in a rebellious time. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The Bible passage is Isaiah 4 and verse 6. They don't know and they fall. They're gullible. They fall for this. The tool of the devil. Gullible people in modern times. You heard about the power that's in the crystal. Oh, there's supposed to be magical power in the crystals. That kind of thing. Gullible people following the tools of the devil and falling for it. Failing to resist. God says resist the devil. He'll flee from you. But because they're so gullible and they don't understand the Word of God, they fall for it. Shirley MacLaine is one of these big activists for the New Age movement and New Age movement thinking, and they're in a seminar, and she's talking about New Age movement and that kind of thing. All of a sudden, the lights go out. And uh, and she has this group of people there, and she's talking about New Age thinking and this modern paganism that she's promoting among people. And And she says, now don't worry about the lights going out. There's enough brain power in here. If we just think real hard, we'll get those lights turned right back on. Let's all sit here real hard and think and think and think. And so they did. They sat there and they thought and they thought and they thought. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Gullible people. Gullible. Don't fall for it. Resist the devil. And don't be gullible. But be strong in faith. Relying on the word of God. Relying on your trust in God. Witchcraft today. What nonsense. Thinking that someone could actually talk to a dead person. It's a very popular Hollywood theme. You'll see it around um, the holiday times in the fall. You know, the witches and the goblins and all of that kind of thing and all of this nonsense with regard to witchcraft. I was preaching in Southern California. Hadn't been there all that long. Beautiful little place. Always enjoyed going up there. Carol and I go up there and we walk into a a gift shop, and they got all kinds of vendors selling their wares and that kind of thing. And I probably told you this story before, and this woman has rocks. She sells rocks in the store. <clears throat> and so she um, says the rocks speak to her. And that got my attention. When she said the rocks spoke to her, that got my attention. I said, really? 
I thought she was joking. I said, well, the rock's telling you. And I thought she was going to say, the rocks are saying to you, buy me, buy me. But she didn't say that. She was sincere. She believed the rocks spoke to her. And I, uh, don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm trying to illustrate that point you see right in front of you. We can really be gullible. Don't let it happen. Now, Carol, bless her heart, she's trying to tell this person, because Carol's more of a science person. She's talking about, you know, the constitution of a rock and how the matter and this, that, and the other. And I lost track of that conversation, so I just walked on outside and started looking for a donut shop or something like that. <clears throat> but she, Carol tried to stay with her and tried to help her show her this cannot be because of matter and all of that kind of thing. And it was a, a very fine discussion, but getting nowhere because of gullibility. People are gullible. I read a book one time called The Da Vinci Code. It's been out for some years now. They made a movie of it, so I understand. I don't remember. And uh, the book's more than I watch the movies, but... Uh, uh, 44% thought when polled that the thesis or the tenets of the Da Vinci Code were actually true. And that Dan Brown, he's a writer. I'll give him that. that um, he writes an interesting, challenging book, The Da Vinci Code, and other books that spawned from that and came from that. The thesis of the Da Vinci Code was that when Jesus was here on earth, he got married, had a child, and the Queen of England is a direct descendant of Jesus Christ. Now that's the Da Vinci Code. 44% of the people polled believe that. Gullible. Gullible. In the very book itself, he says it's fiction, that it's not true. He writes about the fact that it's a fiction book. Fiction means it's not true, you know. But yet people believe that. Don't fall for the wiles of the devil. Don't be gullible here. But be wise in faith and resist the devil. And with God's help, he'll flee from you. That's amazing. We can say no to the devil and he will flee. I'll tell you a tool that's called innovation. Innovation. You know what innovation is? Innovation is adding things to the word of God. Adding things. To the worship of God that the Bible has not authorized innovation. It's caused a great deal of division over the time. You see, the devil does not want us to be unified. The devil wants us to be divided. He does not want us to be a family together. He wants to, us to be at odds with each other. He wants us to have a falling out. He wants us to be fighting and fussing among ourselves because he knows that kind of atmosphere and environment is not going to be conducive toward people going to heaven. They're going to lose their soul salvation because of their attitude one toward the other. Do not let the innovations cause division. Division's a bad thing. Innovations cause divisions. Mechanical instruments. Things along the way throughout our history, innovations have added this strife and added that strife. You see what happens is you have people who are rooted and grounded in the Bible and the Word of God, and then somebody who's not comes in and says, well, let's add this. And those who are much more faithful, much stronger in faith, say, no, we can't go along with that because that's not authorized in the Scripture. 
And then someone said, well, we're going to do this whether you like it or not. We're going to have this no matter what. And division takes place. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. And you start at about verse 19, and here are things that must constantly be avoided in the life of the Christian. Now the works of the flesh are evident, Galatians 5.19. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. That's got to be avoided. Jealousy, It's interesting how the Bible uses different words for the word anger there. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. It goes on in 21. Envy, drunkenness, or like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We've got to be careful on these points. They have got to be avoided from our life. We cannot allow them to become a part of our life and a tool of Satan, which he's going to use against this good body right here, if we're not careful. We've got to always be on guard. We're not going to allow the innovations to come in and cause division. We're not going to allow the false doctrine and the heresy that runs around the community to come in and cause division in the body of Christ. Heresy is false teaching. Error is not going only truth saves the soul. It's only the truth that makes us free and not error. And when the error comes, evaluate that teaching alongside the Word of God. We see what the Word of God says, and we see that this particular teaching does not follow with the Word of God, then we say, no, sir, we're not going to go that way. We cannot allow error to come in. Elders have a great responsibility in that regard, to be sure that the teaching is sound and pure so that the flock, when they come together to feed, they're feeding on the truth, the Word of God, which strengthens their souls and gives them the nourishment that they need to live life day by day and go to heaven when we die. Oh, what a great responsibility. I'm thankful for these good elders we have. God bless them and bless their families and tell them that when you have an opportunity. We're thankful for you, and we're thankful for the love you have for this flock and for the congregation. Notice what Paul said about it in Romans chapter 16. Now I'm in verse 7. Brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. Now that Bible passage, Romans 16, verse 17, and we have a verse there that says, God does not want division, and Satan does. And Satan's going to use that as a tool to try to divide the body of Christ. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus talks about this matter, and it's in the book of Titus, I should say. Paul talks about the matter in the book of Titus that was written to Titus, and this important matter comes as a conclusion to the book in Titus chapter 3 and verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless now nobody's talking about compromising the faith here but he is saying don't mindless type of discussion which is not going to benefit anyone and those discussions are out there and the devil does his best to destroy us with that tool innovation 
Say no to the innovations. That which is not authorized by the Word of God. Say no to the teaching that you don't find in the Word of God. Because it's a tool of the devil that's trying to work its way in. But what are we going to do? We're going to resist the devil with God's help and our faith and the prayers that we have asking God to give us wisdom to make the right decisions in the right way. We're going to say no to the devil and the devil will flee. I've got another point or two I want to talk about today. One of them is pluralistic type of thinking. That's a tool the devil wants to use and does use. Pluralistic type thinking as opposed to the gospel thinking. There is one gospel, one truth. But yet, the pluralistic thinker is saying, well, everybody ought to be acceptable in the sight of God. After all, we're all trying to go the same place. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you do. It's amazing to me how the community and the culture buys into this pluralistic kind of theology whereby it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how you live, you just call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And you can just keep on doing whatever you want to do. It's a pluralistic kind of approach which says, you know, believe whatever you want to believe. Just be accepting of God and and do something religious and you'll be pleasing in the sight of God. Not so. It's a tool of the devil. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible is very exclusive. The Bible at times is very precise as to what we should believe and what we should do. There are general statements found in the pages of the Bible, but then there are also specific statements which help us understand what the Bible wants us to do in these particular matters. And I'm thinking of one of these great passages in Ephesians 4. I call it one of the walk passages. By the time you get to this point, he's talking to us about how to walk. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to, here it is, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Amen, brother, amen. One Lord, absolutely. One faith, absolutely. One baptism, absolutely. One God and Father of all is over all and through all and in you all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And what a wonderful subject he goes into at that point. The point of emphasis is simply this. There is a oneness to the gospel of Christ. And God wants us on this matter of what the Bible teaches. It is not a pluralistic type of approach when it comes to New Testament understanding. It's whatever God says. That's the view. And we trim away and cut away from our heart and our mind issues and attitudes and doctrines that do not conform to what we read in the pages of the one gospel. Ephesians chapter 4. Now the pluralistic approach, everybody's okay, is a teaching of the devil. It's not a teaching of God. Let me say this. If you want the grace of God, and I do, and you do, And you want the mercy of God, you do, and I do. 
and you want the forgiveness of God, absolutely, then there's going to have to be repentance and obedience in order to receive it. For without repentance and obedience to the will of God, there'll be no grace, there will be no mercy. The pluralistic approach, you can live any way you want to, continue doing what you want to, is a tool of the devil. But we've got to resist. And the way to resist the devil is to understand this pluralistic theology and thinking and say, no, I'm going to resist that. I'm going to go by what the New Testament teaches. That's my guide. And that's what I'm going to live by. I got one more study with you, and it's a very important one, like each one of these tools are hindrances. Now, the devil's going to try to hinder you. When you start resisting the devil, he's going to do his best to try to hinder you in what you're trying to accomplish and do. None of us are in a matter. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 17 through 18, and there are a whole host of passages that we could cite, but I chose this one because I think it speaks so directly to the matter. 1 Thessalonians 2. And the verses, verse 17 and 18. But since we were torn away from you, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. We wanted to come to Thessalonica in the worst way. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. He wouldn't allow it. He did his very best to try to hinder us from doing. It's the point that's made very clearly to us. Satan will try to hinder you. He'll try to hold you back. It's a tool which he uses. The best thing that I can do is resist the devil and recognize he's going to try to hold me back. He's going to try to do what he can do to keep me from doing what I want to do and what I need to do. But God will help me. One of the things God tells me in 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't be put at such a decided disadvantage that you can't live your faith day by day. And don't be put into such a corner that you're required to compromise. Don't allow yourself to be put into such a position. God will see you through. But you've got to be faithful to God and you've got to resist the devil in the process. John chapter 3 and 19, people love the darkness. They're going to love the darkness the darkness than to be at light. James chapter 4 and 4, our study today, he says, now don't be a friend of the world. A person who's a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Satan will do his best to hinder you and to prevent you from doing your duty. But you're going to resist Satan. You're going to say no. With God's help and God's word and me continuing to pray for God and his help, the devil's going to flee from me. I don't care what the temptation is. I don't care what the desire might be. I can say no to that and yes to God, even though the devil will do his very best to try to hinder me. I was a young man and years ago I read about his life. It's a very interesting story. And he was always an entertainer type of guy. And um, uh, this uh, particular fella just got more popular and more popular all the time. And he was the one that started this whole clown 
motif as a type of entertainment for crowds. And the people in England just loved the guy. Grimaldi was his name. I think his name was Joseph Grimaldi. He's the one that used the white face paint. And he started painting his face. And he was such an entertaining character for the children. And everybody loved him. And the motif came from Grimaldi, Joey the Clown. And it's just very popular for his day. And now circus and entertainers like that mimic what Grimaldi started long ago in England in this entertainment type of way. And a young man comes to the doctor and he says, Doctor, I don't know what's the matter with me. I'm so depressed. I don't know what the problem is. And the doctor examined him. He said, well, there's just nothing that I can see that's wrong with you. I've checked you in every way. And the fellow says, my nerves are so bad. I just don't know how to get along day by day. And he said, doctor said to him, I'll tell you what you do. There's an there's a act, entertaining act. Everybody just loves it. It's a guy named Grimaldi, and he is so popular, and the kids love him, and he will make you laugh. I went to see him. I'm going to suggest you get out and you see more and go to see Grimaldi the Clown and enjoy yourself. Whereupon the man said, Doctor, you don't understand. I'm Grimaldi. And I can't make it happen for my life. We can try to fool others. We can try to act out our lives in front of other people as if we're this or as if we're that when on the inside Satan's got us. And we fell victims. And we've decided this way, I can't go on this way. Though I can put up a pretty good face in front of other people. He'll hinder you. The only way to handle this, the only way to is to say no to the devil and resist him with God's help and God's word and a faithful prayer life, the devil will flee from you. And we can be victorious. Now, if we take it all on ourselves to try to do it by ourselves, we're going to lose. But I can beat the devil with God's help. Now's the time for you to do that. To repent of sin and confession. Of being baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Mark 16, 15, and 16. To say no to the devil and resist him by living the Christian walk of life. You've been unfaithful to that? Repent of that now. And start living the Christian life faithfully once again. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.